Hello, and welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. In this episode, I'm looking at English idioms, phrases which are used regularly in speech, but actually, if you break them down, they don't seem to make much sense. They are used what's called idiomatically, as if one was painting a picture or describing an image about something, rather than giving a literal or actual definition of something. All will become clear as I explore the issue with Sandra Hamruni, an experienced English language teacher who I first worked with in Kenya in 1979, so a long time ago, and we talked again about English language idioms relating to animals and food, and we worked out how they might be used and where they came from with a few example sentences along the way. Have a listen to what we talk about. It's a bit of fun. And we came across some which were a bit more difficult to explain than others, but we hope you find this useful. It's the first of a series of idiom programs where we'll be talking them through and helping explain them for perhaps non-first language speakers. Thank you. Hi there, Sandra. How are you? It's really nice to uh, talk to you again. And thank you very much for agreeing to do this podcast on English idioms, which lots of people have said give them difficulties because they're not always that obvious. So I'm hoping you'll be able to help us uh, work through some of these. Hello, John, from a very cold, wet Yorkshire. Yes, it's uh, it's not very warm in Bratislava either. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether spring has disappeared, but um, it is very grey and very cold. Right, so what we're going to do is is have a conversation, but in that conversation, I'll sort of feed you a couple of idioms. If you could, if uh, you would please explain them a little bit so we know where they come from, perhaps their origins. And then if you could give us a couple of, or a sample sentence about how it might be used. And there are two themes we've agreed we'll talk about. One are idioms to do with animals, uh, the second one are um, idioms to do with food types. Are you happy with that uh, with that approach, Sandra? Yep, that sounds great. Okay, so the first one uh, I've selected is this one. Let sleeping dogs lie. Let sleeping dogs lie. Okay, well, this really means to leave a situation alone uh, to avoid making it worse. Um here it let sleeping dogs lie it doesn't mean anything to do with lying or telling the truth it means you know when a dog is lying down well let it carry on sleeping um for example uh why does she come here stirring everything up and making trouble why can't she let sleeping dogs lie and this is actually an idiom um from the 13th century uh, that was already a proverb in the 13th century. So we've, you know, we've had sleeping dogs staying lying for a long time. <laughs> That's true. Um, and just to explain, um, I've looked at the dictionary definition of the difference between an idiom and a proverb. And one of the features that seems to come through is that proverbs sort of offer some advice or wise counsel, as it might be said. Um, it's not always the case, but idioms are different. They're often shorter. They're not always complete sentences in themselves. And they'd all, they don't always carry advice where this one could be said to be 
uh, let sleeping dogs lie a, a portion of advice you know telling people to just as you mm. say let things rest how about this given the current weather situation it's raining cats and dogs repeat it's raining cats and dogs well, this really means that it's raining very, very heavily. And apparently it's been around, this uh, idiom uh, has been around since uh, the 17th century at least. Nobody is quite sure where it comes from, but it could be that uh, in the old days when the drainage systems were very bad, uh, dead animals would kind of get stuck in there. And then when it rained, of course, the cats and, you know, any dead animals would come floating out into the street. So it's not very nice, but I, but I do really love the image of cats and dogs kind of raining from the sky. Um, I mean, one, um, the, the, the other thing it means is that, um, it, it, in a really bad storm, maybe it feels like it's, you know, it's raining like cats and dogs would be fighting. Mm. So I find it a very strong kind of image, really. It's raining cats and dogs. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like the schools. It's a bit like there is a TV series in England called Horrible Histories. I think it's available online as well. And that's yes. the kind of very graphic image that they use in their programs to describe things. So raining cats and dogs um particularly difficult if you love animals but it is uh, idiomatic it's not literal it doesn't mean that there are literally cats and dogs uh in most in the way we're using it but in times gone by that could possibly have been the case all right let's change animals how about pigs flying again so pigs might fly repeat pigs might fly well, I think this is used when we, we say this, when there is really no chance of something happening. Um, and it can also be used to show disbelief or scepticism on the part of somebody um, to somebody else's comment. So, for example, if we could get the Democrats and Republicans to agree on tax reform, then we could bring the deficit down. <laughs> well pigs might fly okay so again used idiomatically or used to create an image where people believe that situation is never going to happen so pigs might fly using fly as a noun now let's use to uh, move to a different one a fly in the ointment a fly in the ointment well, this really refers, refers to a minor irritation that spoils the success or enjoyment of something. Um, and apparently it comes, it, it originated in the Bible, in Ecclesiastes 10, 1, apparently, um, where, there's a, where there's a sentence, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savour. So uh, that's quite interesting. That's, that's obviously been around for many, many centuries. Um, to give an example, maybe we could say um, we have a very happy life here. The only fly in the ointment is that there's too much traffic on our street, but everything else is lovely. 
Mm, that's a very good example. Yeah, so something that's spoiling an, an otherwise perfect situation. Fly again, this time um, slightly different expression, on the fly. If something is described as being on the fly, what does that mean? Um, well, this is when we do something quickly and informally, without thought or preparation, perhaps in a hurry or without a plan. And sometimes it can refer to things that we do whilst on the move. So, for example, I ran into my boss in town, so I had to make up an excuse on the fly as to why I wasn't at work. Okay, so something they had to do, another idiom would be on the spur of the moment, very quickly they had to come up with uh, an excuse as to why they were perhaps out of the office. Um, so on the fly, so the fly, is it implying there that the fly moves around quickly and flits between place to place? Well, yeah, I think, again, it's quite, quite uh, a strong image. I mean, either it's a fly flitting from place to place or it's because when we fly, um, that, you know, then we, then we, it, it, that means usually if you fly, then it means that you're moving quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for that. One that's very popular, Sandra, and that several people have asked me to talk about, and they say it's their favourite, is the elephant in the room. Repeat. Yes. The elephant and, and, in the room. And again, I really like this one because I can just imagine when anybody uses it, I can just imagine, you know, this huge elephant actually sitting there in the room, especially when it's in an office. Um, because that's in my in my experience, that's usually when the, when the most elephants in the room have been around. Um, so this is really when when an obvious truth or fact often something embarrassing or unpleasant is being ignored on purpose by the by people there. So, for example, and this isn't really an office example, but a personal one. We all sat drinking our tea quietly, no one wanting to bring up the elephant in the room about Joe getting expelled from school that day. Okay, so that's something they don't really want to talk about, but everybody sitting there knows about it, but they're finding every excuse or reason they can not to mention it because it could be upsetting perhaps for his parents or even Joe if he sat in the room. Excellent, very good. Let's move on to others now, Sandra, and look at those relating to food. Um, used again idiomatically quite a lot. Um, we've got several here, but um, I'll just pick a few. And um, cucumber seems to feature quite a few times. So let me use one. Um, if somebody's being described as cool as a cucumber, he's as cool as a cucumber. What's going on there? Well, this really means that somebody looks very relaxed, uh, is very confident. Um, perhaps I could just use my, an example from me as when I was when I was young, I used to play the violin. And whenever I was asked to play solos with the school orchestra, I would play and I would be absolutely terrified. My fingers would be shaking. I would be sweating. I would be very, very frightened. But everybody always said, oh, we don't believe you, Sandra. You looked as cool as a cucumber. <laughs> very good. So. Not very relaxed inside, but on the surface, you look to be fine. Excellent. 
Um, another one, let's go to fruit. If somebody is described as being the apple of my eye, the apple of my eye, what does that mean? Um, that really means that they are your favourite, That, uh, and quite often we use it about nieces or nephews or grandchildren or you know even our children. We'd, we might not like to admit that one of our children is our, you know, our favourites, but if you say, you know, he was the apple of my eye, then that means that he was my favourite. Mm -hmm. I loved him most. Okay. And any idea where the derivation of this comes from? Somebody thought it might be something to do with William Tell, but I know they think what story they're thinking of. But any idea where that might have come from? Mm, no, I don't. Uh, I don't know that one. Um, I would have thought not that one because, of course, he got an arrow in his eye. <laughs> so it's not. I think not that was quite William. So positive. I think that was a different battle. But never mind. Um, oh right. <laughs> now. <laughs> The opposite, the opposite uh, of being somebody's favourite is if I was described, and I think this is me in my family, um, if you're described as being not somebody's cup of tea, so he's not my cup of tea, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's, it's negative. It means that you don't like him. Or if you say, oh, well, he's really into heavy metal music, but it's not my cup of tea. It means I, you know, I don't really like that very much. Mm -hmm. Yes, cup of tea being a very important part of um, British life. Uh, it isn't a stereotype. It's actually very true. My friend John Taylor would be very happy to hear that. Something of a tea buff. I've never understood, for example, off record, why uh, Harrogate suddenly became a, a tea capital of Britain. Well, I'm going to look at the history of that because it fascinates me. Middle of uh, well, I think Yorkshire. it's mainly because of the spa, because of the water, the kind of water, uh, and it became a, far, a famous spa town. So I suppose after having a, you know, a hot sulfur spa, then you go and have a cup of tea to, mm, you know, quench tea. your thirst. I was going to say, you wouldn't actually make a cup of tea with the spa water, would you? Because that would taste no, pretty no, foul. I don't, <laughs> no, no, I don't think that was the idea. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, with the tea, you might take some milk. So that's a nice segue into this next one no use crying over spilt milk sandra no use crying mm. over spilt milk yeah i do think actually i've used this quite a lot in my life basically it means don't spend time regretting what's all what's already happened you can't change it it's spilt it's spoilt it's broken already so there's no point in worrying about it you've just got to uh, move on mm-hmm you're not going to mop the milk up and squeeze it back and put it in a cup of tea or a bottle. So it's gone. It's destroyed. It's wasted. Yeah. Let it be. Okay. Good. Fish. Bigger fish to fry. I've got bigger fish to fry. Well, this I think means that, you know, I've got more, I've got more important matters to deal with. So, you know, in a business situation, somebody might be saying, oh, uh, you know, can you find these figures for me? Um, you know, can you find this data for me, or the historical data on this company? And you might say, well, actually, I'm just about to um, I'm just about to uh, sign a, a deal worth a million dollars, mate. I've got bigger fish to fry. Do it mm -hmm. yourself. So I don't really want to spend my time or effort looking at a, a smaller project. Um, it's not going to be bringing me much reward. So let me focus on the other work. Bigger fish to fry. Okay, let's return to fruit. How about 
low-hanging fruit. This one is used a lot in management speak, as is the elephant in the room from the animal segment. But this one, low-hanging fruit, often used in marketing. Yes, well, I think this really means um, markets that are easy to reach. I've also heard it used. Um, I considered uh, setting up an Amazon FBA business. In the end, I decided not to. And one of the things that you have to do is to you have to look through Amazon products and try to select products which they describe as low hanging fruit. That is fruit that that is a products which um, you may be easy for one reason or another. You may be able to sell uh, easily or to improve easily or to sell at a profit easily because of the because of problems or because of negative feedback on those products so yes low hanging fruit something that you should be able to sell easily at a profit or a market that you should be able to sell into relatively easily and that one is quite literally meaning isn't it imagine a fruit or an apple let's take an apple tree which was quite big but the branches were hanging down because the apples were so heavy they were pulling the branches down and they were literally within your reach you didn't even have to stretch you could physically pick them off the tree without even using a ladder so they'd be low hanging very easy to collect low hanging fruit What was that FBA for my benefit that you mentioned? You mentioned FBA Amazon. Um, what's that? Fulfilled by Amazon. Oh. So basically you um, you find, you source your products and then you sell them through the Amazon store. So they do uh, all your packaging and sending. Um, they, can, they can also do quite a lot of your marketing and all of that. So basically you buy that, you source the products, you buy the products, you get them sent to the Amazon warehouse, and then they basically do all the distribution for you. Mm -hmm. You've reminded me of a, a need for another podcast, which uh, will be acronyms in regular use, FBA, uh, <laughs> fulfilled by Amazon. Sandra, thank you very much. That's a, a nice um, introduction to these idioms. Um, difficult sometimes to use but you will hear them very much in conversation generally more informally used than in informal language or formal register but uh, very important because they are frequently uh, in use in regular english language conversation take care sandra and thank you very much indeed okay thank you bye mm -hmm.